0: Good morning, Jedis and Padawans alike. Rob here. I just want to give you a heads up that this particular episode of Star Wars Ties was recorded several months ago, so some of our news bits are a little bit out of date, and some of our theories are way wrong, but um, don't worry, you'll get used to that. I also want to publicly thank Jameson, the creator and editor of the show, for inviting me on to be his co-host and cohort. I had an absolute blast. So... What you can expect to hear in this episode is some of our earliest Star Wars memories, uh, a couple of uh, discussions on toys that are coming out, what got us into the expanded universe, which is the primary focus of our show, and a uh, discussion of issue one of the Han Solo comic book series that's ongoing right now. So uh, anyways, guys, we hope you enjoy listening, and as always, may the Force be with you.
1: gentlemen, my name is Jamison Stout, and I'm going to be hosting the Star Wars Tide podcast with most amazing co-host ever, Mr. Rob Luther.
0: Oh, you flatter me, sir. Will you stop it? <laughs> well,
1: you know, I try.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, well, you know, it's it's cool to officially talk to you and it be recorded. I mean, you and I, we go way back, and now it's like we're on a podcast talking about one of our favorite things. So it's, it's kind of nice to officially do this because we've been talking about this for a long time.
1: Yeah, we have. It's, it's been uh, going on a year now. And if you think about it, back to the the first time we met, which was oh six years ago now. Oh, no, I'm yeah. sorry, eight well, years probably longer. Ago now, yeah, eight years ago now. Um, we met in a, going to a conference at Western Carolina University uh, for teaching, and uh, first thing we talked about was, well, what do you like? Well, you know, I'm a kind of a fan of Star Wars. Really, me too.
0: I don't doubt. I don't doubt that at all. I remember we had some pretty good conversations on the way to and from that thing.
1: Exactly. And it, it kept us going, kind of sparked the rest of it. So uh, it's kind of been one of the things that, hence, part of the reason I kind of picked the title ties. that's kind of tied us together uh, as friends from the beginning. I, I, don't um, see, I didn't even know that. Gee, so, we're um, strong with you already. Yes, I, I tried <laughs> um, So uh, for those of you uh, listening, if there is anybody that's going to be listening to this podcast, um, we hope so. Th- we hope so. We certainly hope so. And we certainly hope that this will kind of continue on some sort of a a consistent basis. Um, Rob and I have talked about doing it for a little while, and we're, we're looking at doing a, a podcast that pays uh, homage or, or pays respects to the original Expanded Universe, all of the books and the comics and uh, the rich amount of literature and storyline that existed before Episode 7 came out. Uh, but because of how wonderful and awesome the new era of Star Wars is, we don't want to say that, you know, the older canon is better. We actually want to kind of dig into both. We want to see very much like uh, a lot of comic book lines run uh, in terms of pop culture today. You have old storylines and then they start new storylines with the same characters and just take them in a different direction. And I really think that when they announced that Episode 7 was going to break off of the original canon that George Lucas had envisioned, a lot of Star Wars fans like me were concerned that it would be too different and too out there to really be able to respect it and enjoy it. But what I really want to do with this podcast is kind of introduce to those people that might still have those concerns that Star Wars is is still Star Wars. It's still the awesome and amazing thing that we grew up loving whenever it was we grew up loving it. Uh, and all it is is for a new generation, and it's going to be just as great and exciting as it was then. And it's a great opportunity for those that are just getting into the franchise to be able to have this podcast or something like it to kind of go back and see what was available before they got into it and find out that those storylines are just as exciting and inviting to read or get involved with.
0: Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just go on record you know, with this being the first episode and saying that I am not an expert. I am not even close to an expert. So I'll probably say some really, really dumb things that a lot of well-versed fans will probably get mad at me for. Like, he should know that. But I, you know, I kind of take the Star Wars approach with this show the same way I did with uh, uh, Turtle Flakes, which was I, I love the Ninja Turtles and I love the franchise. And I wanted to do a podcast to kind of get every kind of – iteration of the franchise so, you know, I could talk about the things I didn't necessarily grow up with. And finally, you know, sink my teeth into some things that I didn't know about. So this kind of, in a way, this show holds me accountable for a lot of the Star Wars stuff that I wish I knew, you know, so I'm excited about that. And, you know, I love the franchise. And um, actually going back to our friendship, uh, Jameson, is a guy that knows quite a bit, quite a bit, and has taught me a lot. And as a matter of fact, he's been kind enough to invite me over to his place a few times, and I've seen his, his book collection, which kind of inspired me to start really, really digging much deeper into the expanded universe, because there's a lot of stuff out there. And of course, I'm a big fan of the Marvel comics and what they're doing now, you know, with the new storylines, and I'm just excited to do the show, because it holds me accountable, and it's more Star Wars stuff to read. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, just like
1: Rob, I want to go on record. I I am not an expert. Uh, he's referring to <laughs> the fact that I have a lot of knowledge. Most of that knowledge is from just reading the books. And for some odd reason, God blessed me with the ability to retain a lot of information when I read it.
0: Yeah, uh, not me. So <laughs> a lot of
1: times when, when Rob would be reading a Star Wars book and I'd be like, oh, you're reading that book. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm on page you know, 150. And I'm like, no. Don't give me a page number. Give me what's going on in the plot. That way I can kind of follow along with where you are. And, and a lot of times that's kind of where my knowledge comes from is I spent a lot of time, especially when I was in high school and in college, I just read Star Wars books. That was my leisure read. It was how I didn't think uh, necessarily when I read. And uh, as as I'll reference a little bit later in the podcast uh, for many years, especially right around the time episode two and three came out. Um, I was a a a subscriber to the Star Wars Insider magazine and read those from cover to cover and have a lot of the the news and the the background information about how those movies were made and things like that. Most of that is just, again, because I was passionate about it at the time, loved reading it, loved hearing and seeing as much about it as I could. But no, I do not claim to be an expert, and I know that there are people, um, I've met many of them, uh, that know vastly more about Star Wars than I do. And all I can say is you know, I'm not worthy necessarily to to say that I'm knowledgeable about the subject, but what I do know is that I love it. And this is a great opportunity to kind of share that with anybody else that might have that same passion or interest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we apologize ahead of time if we make some boneheaded mistakes. And I, I'll say this. Jameson will sound like an expert compared to me. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, we'll see. So you're my expert. So there you go. <laughs> But you know, I think it's one cool thing to mention. Jameson and I were very, very close friends. Of course, we met. We both started uh, teaching at the same time, and you know, we both had to go to this training at the very first of the year at the same time, and that's how we got to know each other. But you know, we've developed this you know really, really close friendship. And as a matter of fact, uh, I went to his wedding. He's been in my wedding. You know, we we hang out all the time. As a matter of fact, we all got together and watched. Uh, the Force Awakens together, and I live a couple hours away now from him. So I like podcasts that you know it, it, you can feel the friendship, and I and I hope that that also translates through. And I hope I'm not sounding sappy as I'm saying all this, but I, I think it gives some authenticity to a, a podcast. And you know, James and I we go way back, and one thing that we definitely love is Star Wars. So we've been talking about this for quite some time, and I think. I want to say we started talking about this while we were still working together. You know, like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a podcast or something like that together one day? I wouldn't doubt it, so.
1: Yeah. Well, we mentioned trying to find a way to share it. You got into podcasting right before you left when we were teaching together because I used to listen to it and, and come in and talk to you about your, your Retro Junkies podcast. I remember that, um, mm. which I still listen to the Retro Junkies and the, the Turtle Flakes podcasts. Very oh, regularly. thanks, buddy. Um, so. <laughs> Well, I have to keep tabs on you. Oh, what
0: a guy. What and, a and guy.
1: when Rob moved, uh, one of the biggest holes in my life was the fact that he worked down the hall from me. And any time I had to vent about my students or he had to vent about his, <laughs> we would just go to each other's classrooms and crash and talk. And, and and finally, inevitably, we would get to something, whether it be Turtles or Star Wars or something else retro, to kind of get our minds off of whatever was stressing us out at work. And when he left, it was like, oh, no, I don't have anybody to do that with anymore. <laughs> there's nobody else quirky enough to do this with uh so the, uh, this was one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to kind of give us that opportunity again to have that time where we could just kind of go off on those those random tangents and, and share uh our passions um and so of course if there are listeners crazy enough to enjoy listening to it then we're we're pleased to have you and uh, glad to have you along for the ride hopefully you stay for every light
0: year and yeah. Okay. Don't get lost yeah. in hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. And please don't don't leave us in 12 parsecs, please. We're under 12.
1: <laughs> it up, fuzzball. So one of the first things that I wanted to do in this podcast was I wanted to talk about your first or earliest memory in relation to Star Wars. What do you first remember? And I think you've mentioned it on one of your other podcasts. But since this is our Star Wars official, I want to hear it from you one more time.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Well, it's very, very vivid in my mind because I had a neighbor that well, we lived in the dead end of a street, and we shared our yard with my neighbor, Dave, who turned out to be kind of like a big brother to me. And a lot of video games, a lot of things uh, You know, growing up, I owe a lot of that to Dave because he was the one who first exposed me to that stuff. Well, he had an awesome big screen TV, and he had this amazing sound system. And as a matter of fact, that was the first time I ever watched a Flyers game was over his house. And another thing is uh, Star Wars, the first time i ever watched star wars was at his house and i remember looking at these giant they almost looked like posters but they had this giant dis- disc inside them like a record and i was like what is this and i pull one out and it says star wars the empire strikes back and i saw the the artwork on it and i was like oh this looks really cool well i thought it was a record i was like hey dave can you put this record on <laughs> you know? so I, I had no idea that it was a laser disc that that he had had of empire and he's like, "Oh no, that's a, that's a movie. You have never seen Star Wars?" I said, "No." So, he put it on and I remember just having no idea where the story went or was going because I was a kid, but absolutely loving the special effects and the sounds and, you know, especially coming through with the uh sound system. Oh, yeah. It's just it was an experience and didn't quite appreciate it then, if, you know, the story then. Right. But the older I got, I watched I remember uh, there was a TV series called like, Dinner and a Movie, and they watched, they had Star Wars Night. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And, yeah, it was like a cooking show, but in between, they would put on movies. Or I should say it was a show about movies, and then in between, you know, if during inter- inter- intermissions, they'd be cooking something. It was a great show. But uh, it was about the first Star Wars movie, and I watched that on TV, and then I finally got it, you know, the story and everything. So I think in the late 90s, I started getting into it quite a bit. And then I started listening to the podcast, you know, like the Force cast. Big shout out to those guys. Uh, I've been listening to them for years. Yeah. And, um, you know, really, really got into Star Wars and even more so when I met Jameson. So, but yeah, my first experience was Empire. Very, very vivid and very positive experience.
1: Well, I think that's actually very ironic. The first re- memory I have of Star Wars is Empire Strikes Back. Oh. Ah. And that's a neat connection I didn't even know he had, or I hadn't made the connection. I had to think about this for a little while when I I realized I was going to ask it, because I thought, now, I've loved Star Wars, but I can't remember ever not loving Star Wars. So what is my Uh earliest memory? And if I have to think about it, it, I would have had to have been in elementary school, and it would have been Christmas vacation. And I always spent Christmas vacations at my grandmother's house uh, outside Hartford, Connecticut. So uh, my family would... Travel up to Connecticut every year, and of course, back in those days, we actually had about two and a half weeks for Christmas, so we had plenty of time to spend up there and <laughs> had lots of lazy days. I don't think they do it anymore, but back in the day, TNT used to have a Star Wars run where they would play all three Star Wars movies, The New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, on Christmas Day. Or on Christmas Eve, or both. It was one of the two, but it was kind of like the TBS running a Christmas story, 24 hours. TNT did the, the Star Wars series, and I remember just my grandmother had this little TV in her bedroom that my parents stayed in when we were up there. And I remember my dad having it on and watching it on either Christmas Eve or Christmas night after all the festivities were over. And it was Empire Strikes Back, and I remember walking in and sitting down going, Dad, what is this? Oh, this is Star Wars. You should—you're old enough now. Why don't you watch it and, and kind of see what you think? And I remember being kind of freaked out by Yoda and, you know, <laughs> Darth Vader. Uh, I am your father. Spoilers if you've never seen Empire Strikes
0: Back. Yeah, we're sorry. Just
1: sitting there thinking, what is this? And I—I I don't know if I really like this, but I remember kind of being captivated by it too. Just kind of like, I want to know more. There's—there's got to be something that I'm missing. So that's my earliest memory of Star Wars. And then, I, as I've mentioned uh, multiple times to you, Rob, somewhere in there, I accumulated my own copies of the original VHS of A New Hope, the original VHS of uh, Empire Strikes Back, and an original VHS of Return of the Jedi. And I remember watching those all the time. Mm-hmm. I even have a VHS of uh, The Phantom Menace. I don't think they did a VHS of Attack of the Clones. I think they only did DVD for that. But I actually have the original VHSs for those other four movies. Oh, nice. Still at my parents' house, I think. I don't think they ever got rid of them. I don't. <laughs> but, and I remember watching them all the time. And then when the special edition DVDs came out in the late 90s, I I remember going to the movies with my father to see those. Um, and that was one of those experiences where, you know, dad would be like, you know, I saw this when it came out in 1977. And it's kind of neat to be able to, to take you to go see it. You know, now 20 years later or whatever it was, I think it was 97 when they released the special edition of New Hope in theaters. Mm-hmm. So I remember going and seeing that. So it, it at that point, I was already hooked. You know, it, there was no question by that time, by 97, I know I was reading books and, and things like that. And what got me into the Star Wars books, which is kind of where I, again I wanted to go with this podcast, was when I was in elementary school, I didn't really like to read. It, it actually took Goosebumps to get me reading.
0: <laughs> I think that was a lot of kids.
1: Yeah, um, I was—I know—I mean, was in third grade, and my mother was like, "Try this book. You know, your friends are reading Goosebumps. Surely you'll like Goosebumps." And I did, um, and I got hooked. Uh, so I've got lots of Goosebumps books. That's a retro junkies podcast for another day. <laughs> but from that, my mother would kind of get me into anamorphs and other sci-fi. She started to notice that my interest was science fiction, and finally, she came home one day with a Star Wars Junior Jedi Knights book. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) It was a story about Anakin Solo. And I'm sitting here going, okay, so this is Han Solo and Leia Organa's son. And then of course that book referenced that Anakin had two older siblings. And then there, it was a young Jedi Knights was, was a thicker, uh, geared towards teenagers series that was about those two characters, uh, Jaina and Jason Solo, the older siblings, and then from there, you could dip into the actual Star Wars Expanded Universe in its entirety as far as the, I guess, the adult, even though it's PG-13, just like it yeah. helps in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, the, the the more geared towards adult readers, Star Wars Universe. And I was, it, so that was kind of my gateway into it, was reading those Junior Jedi Knights books. There was only six of those, so I quickly went into the Young Jedi Knights series and read probably... 10 or 14 of those before I started reading Star Wars in its fullest
0: entirety. Ah, very cool. You know, I don't remember exactly which book I had read first, Mm -hmm. but I do remember the cover of it. It was at the library, and it was shortly after I watched Empire Strikes Back for the first time. And I remember it was a picture, and this doesn't narrow anything down, but it was a picture of C-3PO and R2-D2 on the cover. And it was a hardbound book. I don't know if it was one of the jedi Knights books or or what it was, right ah, man, I remember getting that book, reading it and enjoying it, but not remembering anything of what it was about <laughs> you know? but yeah that I think that was the first time I had read, and then of course, when I got older in my my uh teenage years. I started, I guess, buying some of the books. It, it was kind of a slow accumulation, and I don't have as many as, you, as Jameson does. But uh, I just—I don't know—I judge the books by the covers. I'm like, oh, Luke Skywalker's on that with this one, so uh, you know, I just, I just pick it up. And I'm trying to think if there was any that really stood out to me before I met you, because I didn't read *Heir to the Empire* until after I'd met you. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I didn't read the Han Solo trilogy until after. And that one. I'm trying to think, ah, nothing comes off the top of my head. No. Yeah, it's been a while, granted.
1: <laughs> right. The, the first one that popped in my mind, if you were going by the adult one, because like I said, I read through that um, Junior Jedi Knight series. And what what interested me about that series was that it talked about the Jedi Academy. Mm-hmm. The whole premise of that storyline was that Anakin and Jaina and Jason, the children of Alea and Han, were all four sensitive kids and that because they were four sensitive kids, There had to be a way for them to learn, since you needed a school to reach the the school-age children. Uh, There had to be a place for them to go to be at school. So they went to the Jedi Academy, which was taught by Luke Skywalker. And if you follow the authors, it was, I want to say it was Nancy Anderson, Nancy Richardson, and Kevin J. Anderson. But they were married. They were actually a married couple. And she wrote most of the younger line, and Kevin J. Anderson is the science fiction author that wrote the Jedi Academy trilogy which is Luke's whole founding of the Jedi Academy on Yavin 4 and, and a whole different storyline there that kind of introduced some new characters and, and brought in a lot of the old ones. Um, and that's, like I said, that was kind of my gateway. So that was probably the first book that struck me. Right. I remember walking into Walden Books and I knew exactly where the Star Wars section was. I would be going over there and I'd be looking, oh, is there anything I don't have? <laughs> and there's so many good Star Wars books. But if you had to pick, who is your favorite Star Wars character of all time?
0: Oh, uh, ooh. Gotta put you on the spot, Ron. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, oh, Okay. Okay, here's my thing. Can I give, well, I'm trying to think, yeah. No, no, I'll just pick one, I'll just pick one. <laughs>
1: I'll, all right, I'll be generous to you, top three.
0: Okay, okay, uh, top three, Han Solo number one. Okay. C-3 – oh, no, I'm sorry, R2-D2 and then C-3PO, in that order. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love my droids. I can't help it. I love the droids.
1: You're right, and, and that's good. Uh, Han Solo is my number one, too, which is part of the reason I think we're going to be digging into the particular comic we're going to be digging into today. Mm-hmm. I hmm I knew you and I both really liked Han. If I had to do two others, I've become very fond of BB-8. Oh, uh, you can't go wrong with BB-8. Uh, from the yeah. new canon. But if I had to to stick with the original trilogy or even, you know, the the first six, like I said, Han Solo is my favorite. I was a huge fan uh, of the prequel trilogy of Jar Jar Binks. Just kidding. It's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't turn off the podcast. Please don't
0: turn off the podcast. (laughs) That's a joke. Um, For
1: those of you you who
0: love Jar Jar, you know, Um, we know disrespect by our, you know, sarcasm. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) hot ja ja hot ja uh but no um but no in
1: the in the prequel trilogy i was a huge fan of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah i thought he did a fantastic job uh filling that role um after of course uh kind of filling in the shoes of of a pre Guinness, and i think he did a great job so uh he was actually probably my favorite character from that one and that makes him number 2 just cuz in a lot of ways he was kind of the hot-headed adventurous yeah jedi um Especially yes. in episode one and, and early in episode two, uh, that kind of fit the shoes for the Han Solo role in that series for a little yeah. while, uh, at least in in my yeah. opinion. Of course, that's not worth more, much at all. But um, and then if I had to pick a number three, I'd
0: have to probably go with R two D two too. He's 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 up there. He's an awesome droid. <laughs> I think what I love about the droids, they're, they're like loyal dogs, li- like puppies. <laughs> yeah. That's it. They have an undying like a loyalty to you, you know, and I, and I love that about them.
1: Exactly, and it's like I kept telling often husband, I said, "There's in the Star Wars Insider magazine, there's this ad for this almost life-size remote-controlled version of BB-8, and I'm like, I just want to have it so I can have it follow me around the house, you know, <laughs> to, yep. just just to, have, it, just to feel like Poe Dameron for a few minutes and have him chasing me around." You know, <laughs> but of course, she says no.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, but you bring up a really good point. I love Obi Wan uh, quite a bit too. You know, both both versions. You know, of course, the original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy. I think both actors did an amazing portrayal of of the character, and he's one I really kind of identify with too. So I might kind of give C three PO the boot and put him at number four, and put Obi Wan as my number three.
1: He just had a lot of good humor, and I mean, I know some of that's the writing in the movie too. But because of Star Wars, I started to look for Ewan McGregor as an actor in other movies. Yeah. Because I'd already been familiar with Liam Neeson, and I was already a huge fan of him as an actor anyway. Oh, yeah. Love Liam Neeson. But Ewan McGregor was kind of, again, like what they did with the original Star Wars. He was kind of a no-name actor at the time. Mm -hmm. But Star Wars Mm -hmm. put him in the spotlight. And since then, he's done a lot of good movies, and I know he still does plays and stuff like that, that kind of give him that edge. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you had to go with a book character, like Just Expanded Universe, one that's never been in the movies, who would you pick?
0: Ah, oh, man, good question. Hmm. I really, really liked – okay, this is from the Han Solo trilogy. Okay. Was it Was it Brianna? Yeah, Brianna. Brianna, yeah, uh, Han Solo's girl. Yeah. Especially in that third book, Rebel Dawn, I loved her character and what she stood for. And I remember one of the one of the chapters there. One of the last chapters with her in it oh, is it such a cry. powerful it chapter. It made me cry a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's a tearjerker. That you it's know, and tears- I, it's yeah. hard to believe that from a uh, Star from Wars Star book Wars necessarily because you know you're used to adventure, you're used to you know some some sad moments, but not like literally heart wrenching, tear jerking stuff. And I think the writing was so good, and I think her character was so strong and interesting. I, she stands out to me. Um, yeah, I've not read that in quite some time, but I, I do remember her name, so wow. I, I'd go with uh, Brianna for sure. Wow. So that's an excellent
1: choice. Um, and you're right, AC Crispin is. Uh, I wish, and you and I have said this before. I wish she would have written more Star Wars books. She, oh yeah, she put, yeah. she put an imprint on the expanded universe that nobody else can touch. See, I'm I'm actually in a little bit of a juxtaposition on this one because the character I pick, I'm going to bring up here in a few minutes. There's potential that this character might actually end up in the movies, which would be pretty exciting. My favorite is probably Grand Admiral Thrawn.
0: Oh, nice. A villain. Um,
1: Yeah. What I really liked about him is that he never really... I mean, he was a bad guy, of course. He was the the current leader of the Empire at that point in in the timeline. But he wasn't really a bad guy. He was smart. He was brilliant.
0: Very smart. He was
1: kind of like a Napoleon version character. He could strategize and... And develop these fantastic and amazing uh, battle plans. But what really captured me was that the way he developed those skills was by studying art and music. And of course, you know, seeing as my profession is, is music, I was just like, that's awesome. You know, to, to think that understanding the culture through art and music would be a way to interpret methods of battle. That's a direction that nobody has ever really gone before. So I think Timothy Zahn created a really impressive character with him. So I was a huge fan of the the Thrawn trilogy and the
0: Hand of Thrawn duology. Yeah, well, you know, Thrawn's got that—I don't know how to describe it—but he's got like the Darth Vader effect. You know, he, he's a villain, right? But there's something you like about him. There's something about him you just. Think is cool. Exactly. And and I think, I don't know if Timothy Zahn went for that consciously, but it, it really shines through because there's a lot of chapters where you get inside Thrawn's head and you go, man, that was really smart. I didn't even think about that. And plus his design. I mean, you know, he's a giant blue guy with red eyes. I mean, how cool is That's, that? He looks like Nightcrawler. I know. It's all, I know. <laughs> Zahn created a whole
1: alien race with this character. He, yeah. Digging into the expanded universe with the stories that Zahn wrote, there's a lot of ties that he made from old story to new story, rather prequel trilogy series to post-original trilogy series, and even some intermediates, where the characters that he created, he's made them into just impressive entities. The, oh, big Stand guy. alone. And I think that's one of the main reasons Um, And I'm I'm jumping ahead here, but why not? Um, I think that's one of the main reasons that the new canon has decided to put him in it. I showed you the cover of the Star Wars Insider magazine. That is the Mm – I'll show you again. It's the cartoon version of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, and and, uh, just like there's the new Nickelodeon version of the Turtles, Star Wars Rebels is in, I believe, its third season. And he's going to be making an appearance in Star Wars Rebels. Wow. And a podcast that I've been listening to kind of off and on, it's called Tarkin's Top Shelf. Uh, Shout out to them. I doubt they'll uh, hear this, but they're a great podcast that kind of focuses on digging into and theorizing about the new canon books. And one of the books that uh, they analyzed early in their podcast was... Star Wars Aftermath, which was supposed to be the one that took place right after Return of the Jedi and kind of dug into this new canon with new characters. And there was a rumor. I haven't read the sequels yet, so I don't know. And this is, again, where my ignorance kind of shows. There's rumor that one of the characters that was referenced could have been Thrawn. Mm. Um, And that it would be really neat. And and they were talking about this, and I agree. It would be awesome if in 8 he became you know, another major evil character, because one of the things that we had in the original trilogy is, you know, Darth Vader was introduced as the bad guy right away. And if you were to compare that to episode seven, that's Kylo Ren. And then you had the emperor, which in our case would be Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, But there's always some of those side stories like with Jabba the Hutt and things like that, where you have other villains. And if, Disney really wanted to kind of take this whole Star Wars franchise in a new direction. I think making a Grand Admiral Thrawn appearance and maybe have him be kind of a bad guy, but then have a new fourth trilogy or whatever where they kind of play with Thrawn being the real bad guy. Right. Uh, that kind of and kind of bringing the the heir to the Empire trilogy to life. But if, and and I mentioned to you on Facebook one time or another, Timothy Zahn has agreed to write a new book in the new canon, about Grand Admiral Thrawn.
0: I was about to ask, has he done anything yet, Uh, as far as any any books or any comic series?
1: I know he's agreed to writing it. I think it's literally just going to be titled Thrawn. I haven't dug much more into it, but I'm going to, because obviously he's my favorite Expanded Universe character, so I'd love to see if he becomes the same. I'm pretty sure that they're going to try to keep him as much like the original Yeah, as they can keep the character the same and just put him into the new circumstances with him kind of maybe taking over the first order or something like that. And that would be awesome. I would just be like, you know, for a geek like me to sit there and go love these books when I was younger and to sit there and go, you mean you're going to bring this guy back to life? That's awesome. You couldn't pay me enough to go see that movie. I'll take my money now. I'll pay in advance.
0: Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's one of those things. Five years ago, we never would have thought Thrawn would be in a, in a movie theater. You know, I, we never
1: I, thought that. And now there's the potential.
0: And, and here it is. You yeah. know, there's a big potential, you know, that he'll be in Rebels. That'll be in comics. That'll be in uh, possibly in a new universe novel right. and possibly in a movie. You know, it's it's crazy to think. And, you know, whereas my pick was kind of more obscure. Thrawn is a he's a big deal in the old universe. Yeah. Uh, he has a major influence. Oh, big time, big time. Uh, I would definitely be happy seeing him again.
1: Oh, I would too. And to pair with him, Mara Jade was another character that I
0: really was fond of. Mm -hmm. Now, is it true that George Lucas did not care for Mara Jade? Is that just a rumor, or is that true? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Because I Uh, I heard that somewhere, that he was not a fan of that character. And I don't know why, but...
1: Right. I can see that because he, you know, he might have kind of desired for Luke to take the whole loner lifestyle and yeah. spoilers. I'm about yeah. to say something about Mara J that if you've not read the Timothy Zahn series, you might not want oh. to listen um, to. Yes. Getting him into a romantic relationship was something where that kind of went. <laughs> but yes. uh, it's definitely a, a twist there that he might not have wanted. I do remember, uh, and this again shows a little bit of my dorkiness, the one Star Wars convention I actually went to. Um, It was in Greensboro, North Carolina, back when I was in high school. And there was actually a person – couldn't tell you her name if you asked me – who presented herself as if Mara Jade was a real character, this was she. And so for the autographs and the whole panel and everything like that, she would be – she was Mara Jade. Uh, That's kind of weird because usually when you go to a convention, you only see actors. You don't see people that kind of take on the personas of an expanded universe character. But she had become such a popular character by that point in the Expanded Universe that I guess they felt like they needed one. Yeah, sure, sure. So it was kind of impressive. Uh, I, I did not meet her or get her autograph. I went after a <laughs> bigger game. Uh, I actually got to get Jeremy Bullock's autograph at that one. He played the original Boba Fett.
0: Oh, very nice.
1: Very nice. And they did an nice. awesome job. I mean, she's she's become a force to be reckoned with. She's, she was definitely an impressive person.
0: I'm wondering, since we have a character like Ray, if we'll ever see Mara Jade necessarily in a in a newer iteration.
1: I don't know. There's the, of course, supposed rumor that Ray is Luke's daughter. Right. And everybody in the Star Wars world apparently either wants it or doesn't want it. There's, you know, there's <laughs> a clear divide, you not know, like the political debate right now. Not true. Very true. You you're either one or the other. Um, you either want Ray to be Luke's child or you don't. And I don't really care. Either way, I don't – that's not my theory. Um, I have a different theory, and I'm interested to see whether or not my theory becomes reality. I don't have a lot of evidence to back this up except for the Shattered Empire comic series, the, that little four-part series, to back it up. But I think – and I mean, like I said, I, this will probably get shot down real quick once they come out with eight, but <laughs> I think that Ray I think she is Poe's sister.
0: That'd be interesting. You know, and I can actually see that. I mean, because doesn't that – in some ways mirror. It mirrors it, but takes them in a different direction because now
1: you don't have her being anybody's child necessarily that makes the big deal. It's not her. The Star Wars universe has always been focused on a family connection. True. Um, But it's always kind of been focused on the lineage connection. Who was your father? Who was your parent? Right. But if you take that out of the equation and make it a little bit different still bringing in the brother sister aspect, then she's still a, a character of her own. But you still get that kind of family connection and a little bit of a reuniting there. And it kind of brings that whole trio of characters into more focus because they made such a big deal about Poe. And in all honesty, Poe doesn't have a lot of screen time in Episode 7. Right. That's true. He gets shot down on Jakku pretty early, and then he's gone until the end of the movie, pretty much. So I think there, that the fact that he was is brought up to be such an important character and then kind of hidden away again, is is leaving that for a possibility. I don't know that, um, but like I said, there's some stuff in the Shattered Empire comics, which is something I'd like to do on this podcast someday. Mm -hmm. Kind of lead me to thinking that could be a possibility. I You know, I could see that. I'm probably majorly wrong, but it's at least, (laughs) you know, it's a different theory than, you know, it's Luke's son, or there's one theory out there that she's a reincarnate Anakin Skywalker, which would be completely weird. So... (laughs)
0: Well, I've I'm
1: not, I'm not heard that one, but, you know, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, we're Star Wars fans. We come
0: up with any theory we could possibly come up with. Oh, yeah, That's it's fun to speculate. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I wanted to bring up a couple points, um, especially if they're tied to the expanded universe, or just things I thought were interesting, or things I thought you might like. Um, and I mentioned them on on the outline that I showed you. But they're coming out with a few new things related to the Star Wars universe. And the first one is that they are coming out with the first Rogue One novel soon. In fact, I think its it might have already been released by now. I want to say it's out. I want to say I saw it on Amazon the other day. If not, it's still on pre-order, but it's called Catalyst. And it's supposed to be a, a preemptive or a pairing with the Rogue One movie that's coming out, obviously, here in December. Which, of course, since we have a Star Wars podcast, we're going to have to go see this together. Oh, yes, of course. Stri- strictly for research. Strictly for research purposes. I'm sure right. our lot will completely understand. Um, <laughs> but one of the things about the, the new movie is that they are introducing a new ship that has never been seen before. And it's called the mm-hmm. U-Wing. Specifically, it is the UT-60D. Um, yeah, I, I would love to. I'll show you the sketch if you can through the camera. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, looks great. So it's got the, you can see the U-shape they're talking about there with the front wings kind of thing. Um, it's mm-hmm. got the, the four engines on the back and things like that. According to the description, it's supposed to be like a troop transport and gunship. But I wanted to bring it up as an interesting fact for the news is because this is supposed to take place before the original trilogy, basically. Because this is them getting information about the first Death Star.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: How do you feel about well, introducing a new ship that we're never going to see in the original trilogy? I,
0: It'll be interesting to see why, if uh, they explain why we never see one later, uh, maybe it's a custom ship right. that was only for you know one mission. Right. I, I don't know, but I love the design of it. Yeah, I think it's a neat ship. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, um, I
1: just you know I love I love kind of theorizing about that. It's like, well, that's cool. I'm glad you're doing it, but how do you explain you know all these other movies? Right that have happened after this movie but not have. i mean you can't go back and digitally say oh look there's a u-wing <laughs> taking
0: off from Hoth." you know now if it was george lucas he'd go back and uh-huh. he'd put one in every scene uh, of
1: course he would you know <laughs> just like he made on shoot second you know just let me edit that two three four times and see how many times i can make people mad um i love you george lucas if you're ever listening to this by all means please feel free to interview with us and talk and Tell us what you really think. Yeah, tell us how um, wrong we are. At, at That'd horrible. be great. Yeah, tell us exactly. Tell us just how horrible we are um, <laughs> for, for ever doing such a thing like this. But one thing I really liked about it, and, and one belief I have, and I don't know if this is kind of the cop-out that they'll take when they introduce it, is that they've never really needed a troop transport because every battle we see in the original trilogy is a space battle except indoor. And indoor, they were sneaking in on an Imperial shuttle. Ah, true, very true. And like I said, it, it's kind of a cop out because you know they're like, haha, we—it's a troop transport, and we never really have troops in any of these other movies that aren't already <laughs> on the ground. But you know that could be where they go with it. Um oh, I, can I just, see that. You know, I'd rather have—I'd rather have you know something like what you said. It's a unique ship that they made only for that mission, or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, from what I understand, that might be the case—is that there's a fleet of them, but maybe they all get wiped out.
0: Very maybe true. the Death
1: Star in one of its, it maybe in one of its initial tests, blows all of them up.
0: You know? Right, right. So you know, or maybe it's an obsolete <laughs> model, and eventually, you know, they just they quit using them. Exactly,
1: and that's a possibility. I mean, yeah. it does have some similar shapes and designs to like the Airspeeder and stuff like that. So there's potential that it could have led to
0: those, maybe. The, it looks great but it's definitely a little pricey of course with Legos you're gonna get that no matter what but it's uh 80 bucks oh yeah so 7999 right now yeah. but it does come with looks like four guys I don't know what those accessories are necessarily but yeah yeah 80 bucks
1: the most dangerous thing for me ever was when I was a kid because you had Star Wars and Legos and they combined them <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I, no lie I got the 3D Yoda for my birthday one year. Oh, did you? And I stayed up until four in the morning and put that entire Yoda together in one night. (laughs) It was worth it. It was the proudest moment (laughs) of my life. And to this day, it is still put together. And it was still in my room at my parents' house until about two years ago when... Emily was finally old enough to actually interact with the room that she stayed in, which was Oh, uh, see, so I thought
0: you were going to say, and um, to this day, it's still the proudest moment of your life. <laughs> I was like, oh, man.
1: Well, no. <laughs> no, uh, but it was still on display, and That's I was very, very proud cool. of having it on display. So it's currently in my father's shed. At some point, I told my wife, if we ever buy a new house, I'm going to have to have a dork room <laughs> or a dork corner or a nook or something. So I can put all this stuff oh, up. Oh,
0: absolutely, man.
1: Um, Not have it completely clutter her house. So another thing that's coming out, and this is if you're a Hot Wheels fan, they if in the past Hot Wheels has always done character-based cars, yeah. And they are releasing a new character-based car this year, and they actually discussed that they were going to release it. They let a vote on it at the 2016 celebration in Europe. They, uh, they let the fans vote for who they'd rather the car be made for. And the fans picked Biggs Darklighter. Huh. Biggs was, uh, of course, Luke Skywalker's best friend from Tatooine. And there's that awesome scene right before the Battle of Yavin where they meet. They, You know, they're kind of like, oh, man, we're going to have some great stories to tell after this battle. And it's going to be awesome. And then, of course, you know, uh, Biggs dies in the actual battle. Yeah. But he's the one with the mustache and all that. But I think it's a great opportunity to kind of pay homage to that original trilogy to have a car that's going to be designed after Biggs.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love that. Some love for Biggs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Some love for Biggs. And then, of course, I wanted to mention uh, a little bit of news here in my rebel rumors is that the the new Rogue One trailer was released this week. Um, uh, So it's October 20th. I think it was released this past Monday.
0: And I feel Um, ashamed because I have uh, not seen it yet. I've seen the first one. I have not seen the second one yet.
1: Oh, it's good. Uh, in fact, if it would be fun to do a, a short Star Wars podcast at some point. We could even kind of do a green screen of that one and just kind of analyze it and see. Sure. Because I think sounds you'll cool. like it. It's a great trailer. And I have one last thing, and again, all of these are really from that magazine, but it's, this is tied straight to the uh, Expanded Universe. Jaina Solo, which is the daughter of Han and Leia in the classic Expanded Universe, was chosen to be the new Hasbro Black Series release figure. So she's gonna actually oh. have a six-inch figure, which is gonna be neat because I'm not sure how many expanded universe non-movie characters they have ever done. Yeah. In the in the Hasbro line yeah. series, so uh, that's gonna be a new release here. Uh, it doesn't say it says it'll go in production sometime in the near future, so it'll probably released sometime next year. Um, but that's pretty awesome. That places other than our podcast are still respecting and and giving credit to the original expanded universe. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Maybe we'll see her again one day.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not it'd be, fashion.
1: It, well, it'd be interesting to see how when I mean, you've got Ben or uh, Kylo Ren, who is the child of, of Han and Leia. And there's from what I've read in the book series, there's not really a lot of potential for them to have had more than one kid. Um, and of course, there was that rumor that Rey was going to be, you know, just like in the original Star Wars trilogy. Rey and Kylo Ren were going to be brother and sister, but there's a huge age difference between them. Mm-hmm. about 10 years, I think, if you read the, the Force Awakens book, and on top of that, I think Leia would know if she had two kids. <laughs> You'd think she would have brought that up at least once in the movie. That might have might have been brought up, and you know, there's uh, there's a lot of animosity, or at least not necessarily animosity, but there's that separation with with Han and Leia that takes place in, in the new canon that wasn't in the old canon.
0: And yeah, that kind of leaves
1: yeah. to have that gap. And that's one thing about the new canon I'm not quite as fond of, because that was one of the things I really liked about the old series, was that you had that one connection, that one rock of of their relationship, and it went through a lot, and especially with, uh, like, using Vong War and stuff like that, which was uh, an awesome series, yeah, for those of you uh, that want to get into it, but in terms of re- uh, Star Wars news, those are the things that have been most recently popped up uh, for me, uh, and of course, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, or like, well, probably longer than that. Star Wars Rebels, I believe season three has just started and it is anticipated that in this season several major characters, including Grand Admiral Thrawn and a young version of Wedge Antilles will be making appearances. Oh, did not know that. Nice. And making some ties in with uh, some of the characters that are favorites from the old canon um, and tying them into the new. Uh, That's really exciting and of course, we've got a lot to look forward to if those come to fruition. And I know that both of them are uh, at some point. I just don't know when. I haven't actually. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I have only seen like the first two episodes of Star Wars Rebels.
0: I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I've not. I've got to kind of divvy out my uh, hobbies now, you know. And, and <laughs> right now it's Turtles for the few minutes of free time I get. But. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to see Rebels for for quite some time, so I'm I'm gonna have to just force myself through this. And hey, with this podcast, it holds me accountable.
1: Exactly, and that's kind of the goal with one. This yeah, just like a lot of times uh, for those of you that don't necessarily listen to the Turtle Flakes podcast that Rob does, you really need to. Um oh, if you if you are a Star Wars fan from our era, which you know we're '80s '90s kids, we this is when we kind of grew up. Late 80s, early 90s, you know, that is our background, which means the Turtles and the beginnings of the Star Wars Expanded Universe books and things like that were what we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, We weren't the generation that saw the original Star Wars movies in theaters. We were the the kids of that generation, but we were the ones that our parents introduced it to us or our friends did, and we were just like, oh, this is so cool. (laughs) Why didn't? Why don't we do this now? You know why? Because of that. You know, if you're from that era, then you'll love the Turtle Flakes podcast. Um, and a lot of the things that I'm going to try to do with this Star Wars podcast are going to be
0: styled like that. Oh, well, thank you, buddy.
1: We'll do analysis of literature, comics, or green screens of shows. And with the Rebels show, it's like perfect. The only thing I'm waiting for is Netflix to actually pick up Star Wars Rebels. Um, So Netflix uh, users or designers or developers make that deal with Disney so that we can have Star Wars Rebels on Netflix. It would make my job and life so much easier because (laughs) I could binge stream instead of having to catch it on Disney when my daughter is not watching Disney Junior. Well, you do know they're Um, probably not listening, right? Oh, I'm sure not. (laughs) Uh, Trying to put it out there as a petition. Um, I did notice on Facebook the other day that there is a, like, 70,000 signed person petition for Netflix to take on an Old Republic live-action show. Ooh. Like, they want Netflix to kind of make a show in in a similar dark style as the Daredevil or Luke Cage shows, but have it be Old Republic. I would be okay with that. I would love that. (laughs) That would be awesome. Um, so again, Netflix developers, if you ever listen to this podcast, here's another person for that petition. If you if you happen to be noticing it, I'll make it seventy thousand and one. I have a feeling Rob would make it seventy thousand and two. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, uh, I guess we need to to, to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Um, otherwise, we're gonna stay up here way too late past <laughs> our bedtime. Um, so. I'm going to do one thing, uh, and then I'd like to kind of jump into the comic and and say a couple things about it, Um, and and we'll kind of go through it together, and then we'll we'll call it a a night. What do you say?
0: Sounds great. Sounds great. Let's do it.
1: I always want to take at least one moment out of each podcast that I do with the Star Wars to make a recommendation if you've never read a Star Wars Expanded Universe book. So kind of like, where do I start? You know How do I get into this? They're, because as Rob has indicated, there are a plethora of books out there, um, and from my personal collection, I have well over 100, and I've read all of them, and they're great books. But to look at that and go, well, what do you start with? Where do you go? I, I was going to make a recommendation, and I'm actually going to throw two books out there, and I know Rob will back me up on these because I kind of forced him to read them <laughs> when we were teaching together, and that is Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn or… Paradise Snare, the Han Solo trilogy. Uh, I about said The uh, Hutt Gambit, but that's the second one. Um, <laughs> both of those books are, are great reads. I will admit that the the Heir to the Empire, Timothy Zahn is he takes some patience. It's a great book, but he, he writes a lot like J.R. R. Tolkien. He gives you a lot of background information that you don't realize you need right away. Yeah, true. But it comes in handy later to have that information. So you just kind of have to have the patience with him and kind of dig in. That book, the Heir to the Empire, was actually, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, but I'm 95% certain I'm right here, um, that was actually the second Expanded Universe book ever written. first one was Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster, who was the ghostwriter for the original Star
0: Wars. And still writes for the books today.
1: Yeah, and he actually wrote the novelization of um, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So it, he still contributes to the Star Wars universe. But his and his is a good book if you were, you know, if you really wanted to go with the original uh, expanded universe book. But Timothy's on, he just introduces new characters. Like I said, it's where Thrawn comes into play, and it's, it's a great read. But on the on the flip side of that, uh, as as Rob and I both indicated, we're big Han Solo fans, which is why we're going to be getting into Han Solo comic today. The Paradise Snare. If you like Han Solo, if you're thinking that Han Solo anthology that's supposed to come out here in a couple years would be really neat, this would be a great way to get a background information of a possible history for that character that I think is just awesome. I mean, I, I really hold that trilogy, the Han Solo trilogy, as arguably my favorite Star Wars trilogy of any books in the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic story. It's fantastic connections. And, and just if the guys that are directing that Han Solo anthology don't pay attention they could miss out on a really good way to make Han Solo a character on the screen that is already a character loved in the books beyond anything he could have ever done with the original trilogy or even the new series with Episode
0: Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. As a matter of fact, with the Han Solo trilogy, I already loved the character, but reading that, it just made me love him even more because it's, it's, it's such a comprehensive look. At his life, leading all the way up to his uh, first moments in A New Hope. It yeah. is, it's perfect.
1: I mean, it ends, and I told you that when I told you you needed to read the book, it ends right when A New Hope begins, or at least where Han is introduced in A New Hope. I mean, it's just like, boom, and then you could go watch A New Hope and go, oh, that's what he was doing. You know, I get it. It's It is awesome, and it's a yeah. great connection with a lot of the characters and gives you a lot of the history. There's just a lot there. It's an awesome book.
0: Man, just talking about. It. I want to read it again now.
1: Yeah, no, I do. I do too. Um, I've got too much on my plate to read already. I know but It's a story of our lives. It is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, do you have a different book that you would recommend, or do you kind of feel those are a, a good place to start? Uh,
0: I think those are great places to start because, you know, of course, with *Heir to the Empire*, that's right after *Return of the Jedi*, and you know, if, if you've just pretty much watched the original trilogy and you, you want to get more into, you know, what happened after that. That's an excellent place to start, right. and it was one of the earliest, like you said, books ever written about Star Wars. Right. Yeah, with the Han Solo trilogy, for me, it's just great storytelling yeah. uh, about one of my favorite characters, and I, I think, like you said, Timothy's on. He's he's definitely a little slower paced, at least at the beginning, but it pays off. Oh, yeah. It does pay off this, from the second half of the book on. So you know, go in there knowing you're going to get a lot of exposition at first, but- by the second half of the book, you're so thankful that you knew all that information. Exactly, it's worth it. And it's definitely, it's definitely got perspective switches with each character or with each chapter too. You know, you'll get one chapter with Han Solo, another chapter with Thrawn. You know, he, yeah. he's a great storyteller, and he is probably the most famous expanded universe writer uh, out there, or at least arguably.
1: I would uh, argue in that favor. I mean, I think he hasn't written nearly as many books as some of them have. But the ones he's written have become key points in that original expanded universe. All the other authors look at those and go, Okay, how do we fit our story to match the movie and this book by Timothy Zahn? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like we've said, other characters that have been characters that were created by Timothy Zahn have been used by other authors. So it, it of course that pays tribute to him as well, just the fact that they liked his characters so much that they felt the need to incorporate
0: them and use them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, he, you know, another thing about actually both uh, Timothy Zahn and A.C. Crispin, they know their characters. I mean, they, they do the characters justice. Uh, they're, You know, the ones that we're we all love and are familiar with. So if, for those of you who might not have ever read a book, give those a try because they're two great recommendations. So yeah. I definitely agree, man.
1: And as the you know, depending on when the next podcast recording is and things like that. Um, I'll try to make at least one book recommendation from my library, and of course, if, if Rob has one that he remembers that uh, sticks out in his mind that he feels like he, he should, he wants to recommend, uh, of course, he's more than welcome to do so. And of course, uh, listeners, if there are any listeners, if there's a book that you are passionate about and you think just deserves to be mentioned, by all means, contribute it in some way through comments or, or feedback on the podcast and and we'll try to get it included Uh, eventually, I I don't know exactly when, I'll have a Facebook page set up and and, and things like that. I kind of want to see how this is taken in the retro junkies network and how much it's it's liked before we really kind of jump ship and and make it its own podcast because there's a lot of really great star wars podcasts out there that cover a lot of the same stuff we do so you know i just want to make sure that you really enjoy this <coughs> before we contribute a whole lot to it but then again you know it gives me a chance to, to gab with rob so i guess i can't
0: i was gonna you. say yeah we still get an excuse to chat exactly
1: because <laughs> it's an excuse to talk and and not have our wives mad at us too much
0: right exactly
1: All right, well, buddy, if you're ready, we'll we'll kind of dig in and, and do a quick read-through of this first Han Solo.
0: All right, sounds good, sounds good.
1: All right, uh, I've already on the cover here, and I'm just going to mention a couple things about it that I thought were just absolutely spot-on. I really liked the, the kind of design that they had with this little rip on the page with Leia's, you know, worried face staring off in the distance. Um, but one of the things I really liked was the detail on the ships, specifically the TIE Fighter and the Millennium Falcon. Oh yeah. And I loved that they definitely make it very clear that we've got the Corellian blood stripe, which is that red stripe down his pants. Uh, because as we are familiar from the AC Crispin trilogy, that that's part of who he is as a character. And it's great that the new Canon is uh, of course he had it in the Star Wars movie, so it should be there. Um, but it's great that the new Canon is making sure that that's still a recognized characteristic of his of his attire.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Lee Bermeo did the cover. So I think he did an amazing job. Yeah, I think so, too. He really did. And uh, of course,
1: uh, Majorie Lou, I think I said that right, was the writer. Uh, Mark Brooks is the artist. Sonia Obak did the colors. And our letterer was, I cannot say your name, Joe. Joe Caramanga. 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 There we go.
0: Or Magna, I guess. I guess.
1: Um, so uh, I, th- I think they did a great job with this comic, and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of digging into it. I've read uh, issues two and three. I haven't read four yet, so if you've read it, don't tell me anything about it yet. I, I have, have read
0: it. four. It's just, ah,
1: it's good. Don't tell me. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. It came out last week. and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, um, <laughs> or buy it for that matter. It's, it's on my to purchase list.
0: So can I read the prologue? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. All right, here it goes. <clears throat> Han Solo Part 1. Oh, you should give me the –
1: See,
0: now I'm ready. Now let me read this. It is a period of unrest. In a galaxy oppressed by the Empire's unrelenting brutality, there is little hope for change. Nonetheless, rebels have banded together to fight back against such corruption. While the Rebellion grows in power, Imperials fight to crush any hope for an overthrow. With the Empire's hands full, the opportunities for crime are endless. Han Solo has taken a step back from the rebel cause, returning his focus to what he does best, smuggling. Untrusting by nature, he's skeptical of anyone who crosses his path. Unfortunately for him, he cannot stay under the radar forever. So... (laughs) <laughs> Very nicely read. Yeah, so this must take place right after A New Hope, right? Um,
1: it, it, My understanding of the storyline is that, it, yeah, it has to be before the Battle of Hall. Yeah. Because we, we're dealing with the fact that he was expecting to get a major reward from saving the princess, and he did get some money, um, but not enough to pay back Jabba the Hutt. And the premise for this storyline is that yeah. he still needs to get that money. So we're kind of in that timeline frame of... He's not officially part of the rebellion, and we know from an, from the Battle of Hoth and from The Empire Strikes Back that he's still trying to not be part of the rebellion at that point, but at the same time,
0: there's something
1: or, as we all know, someone that's really kind of keeping him invested.
0: Oh, definitely, and and this is in this issue, he questions himself a lot too. He's like, oh, why did I go back? You know, why did I help Luke at the very end yeah. of of A New Hope? Why did I do that? What? I normally don't do this kind of stuff." Exactly. So you kind of see, you have to put yourself in this time. He's not the Han Solo that is straight laced, you know, all for the rebels yet. Right, he's still kind of on the fence.
1: Exactly. He's still, so he's still just a smuggler who thought he was going to make a buck on this. And is wondering why he not only made a little bit of money, but not as much as he was hoping, but also stuck his neck out more than he should have. Yeah. He, he's he's questioning that, and I think that's a great way to kind of introduce him. And I like how this comic starts, and I, I know a lot of comics start with kind of that inner monologue of the characters, but I love how it's like it started with the delivery of ore, you know, uh, or with a high ore, excuse me, and it's kind of like, well, what did? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's a premise for just posing a question. And it's like, oh, all right. So I'm already interested because what started? What where are we going with this? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, in in the first couple panels, we we see this inner monologue where Han is is debating about why he might or might not have taken on certain jobs as a smuggler. The whole point of leaving the rebellion was that he would smuggle some goods, get some money, and be able to pay off his debt to Jabba the Hutt. But he's turned down so many offers that and he's questioning why even Chewbacca has been like, you know you're 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 scared or you're jittery or, or something's wrong and he's like, no, I'm just being careful, but he's also got that inner doubt of what's the real reason I'm not doing
0: this oh yeah, oh yeah. and he has a conversation with interesting looking cat named uh, – is it control?
1: I think so um, yeah got it yeah it's I would I would say control.
0: Yeah, something like that. And uh, basically, he's got another mission for him. And Hans like, I don't know. I don't like the sound of it. It just sounds a little risky. And controls like, hey, look, if you get the reputation for getting cold feet, people are going to stop coming to you. People are going to stop asking you for for smuggling jobs. And, you know, Hans starting to believe it. He's like, you know what? That, probably, that I- dude's right. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what they're saying. Man, that that ugly creature. Yeah, it was a
0: dinosaur-looking
1: guy. I know the species because Bossic, who is a a bounty hunter that's famous in the the Bounty Hunters Guild, you actually see him in Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader is hiring bounty hunters to find Han Solo. It's that alien. Starts with a T, can't pronounce it, sorry, but uh, I'll have to look it up and I'll try to have it next time. But it's... Yeah, um, it's 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 an alien species that kind of mimics like an alligator combined with a dinosaur. and right. <laughs> some But Anyway, yeah, he's trying to, to hire Han to drop uh, to do a quick deal, a quick drop off um, and even gives him an extension. He's like, look, you've got till midnight. Just let me know. You know, finish your drink, think through it, talk to Chewie about it. But, you know, I, the deal's open until then. But after that, I'll find somebody else. And, you know, you almost get the impression towards the end there. When he goes back to the inner monologue, he's like, he's right. It's an easy enough run. You, know, you kind of get the indication. He's like, maybe I should just say yes to this one and go. And, and then you get to get that. So why can't I just say yes? And then we have a quick change of pace because he notices somebody that's familiar. Yes, from a different planet. From a different planet. <laughs> and he kind of goes into a little bit of a panic mode because he's like, no, it's not a good thing for me to be seeing somebody on a different planet that I just saw. Right. Previously, and it kind of almost gives the whole his being a little bit not only skeptical but also cautious. It it gives it fruition. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe you really should be cautious because you've kind of faced yeah. for yourself to be hunted. And if you're seeing somebody twice on on two different planets, then not a coincidence. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. You probably are being hunted, which is of course what his inner monologue goes through. And he's like, all right, the only solution I have is to get out of here, run, and he makes a, a beeline for the door.
0: And that's when this lady, uh, she draws a weapon on him, and then apparently there's another guy there too, yeah. and, and they both – they apparently want him for some reason. Yeah, they want to discuss some form of business with him, and we don't know what that is yet. We just know mm-hmm.
1: that there's some form of business that they want, and he's like, look, you know, I might be taking on another job. I'm not so sure I can do this, and you can – they do a nice shot of him kind of reaching for his gun, and uh, that's when the the second character, which is actually the girl – Um, the the guy is the one that pulls the gun on him. Oh, gotcha. The girl comes up behind him and says, nope, don't even think about it. You know, you've got two guns on you. You can't kill them both. And he kind of has to be like, yeah, all right, you're right. But he's still defiant the whole time. He's just like, I I don't, I'm not going down without a fight. I don't know what you want to talk to me about, but this is not going to go
0: well. And that's when uh, they they lead him into this room, and Chewbacca and one of the droids is there, and he's like, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" I
1: know, and that that poses a great possibility for a backstory that I wish they would do. How does Chewie know these characters? Yeah, because yeah. Very shortly after, it's like you know, Chewie inter- greets the the gentleman that had pulled the gun on Han, and the guy's like, "Oh, same to you, old friend. Thanks for meeting us." And it's like, now what? You know, how did Chewie know these guys, but Han not? And there is right a miniseries in the in the Marvel universe with, for Chewbacca. Uh, yeah, which I'm not going to read I've yet. only read the first issue of that one, and I don't – I mean, I know that there's a lot that can happen in four issues with new characters, but in the first issue, there was no indication to me that either of these characters would make an appearance. Like, I, there was no none – none of these characters seemed like they were going to be somewhere in the storyline – with that Chewbacca issue. Right. So I don't know if that's the tie or if there's you know another story that somebody can pick up later. I don't know. But I think that's a, an interesting uh, – just the way that they greet It kind of laid me going, is there another story? <laughs> is Marvel giving themselves the opportunity to kind of go in a different direction and maybe do a different long-term storyline maybe because that would be really cool.
0: Yeah, true, because, I mean, these two characters, they they work for the Rebel Alliance, and at this point, Chewie's not necessarily doing anything with the Rebels. Either. That we know of, I mean, because they were in the same situ. He's in the same situation Han was. Right. I mean, they both showed up helping the Rebels together,
1: right. you know, so. And Chewie really doesn't leave Han very much because of his life debt. Uh, that's the whole premise yeah. of the life debt to begin with. So it it does leave kind of it leaves some room there to to see what could possibly happen.
0: So yeah, the the reason they they want uh, Han is, but apparently uh, Leia has a proposition, and it's a very very taxing proposition because it involves uh, using the Falcon. So
1: basically, what happened is they show Han a, a holo recording of Princess Leia kind of. Verifying their identity as uh, alliances to the rebels. And then, you know, Han's like, All right, what is it you really want? What, what do you want to talk to me about? And they're like, We need your ship. And he's like, No, absolutely not. And they're like, Well, it'd only be for a few days, and we're going out to this this particular sector. And he's like, That's not a few days away. That's like, <laughs> it's out of the galaxy. What do you really, you know? He's like, You're not telling me the whole truth. What's going on here? And they're like, Look, we just want to borrow your ship. And he's like, look, I'm not going all the way out there. And they're like, no, no, you don't understand. We want your ship. We don't need you. And he, right. and that's when he kind of flies off the handle. He's like, did I miss something? Because there is no way anybody but Han Solo is flying the Millennium Falcon, period.
0: Right. And then, you see, I wonder if Leia knew that all along. Oh, I, you, you know, I, like, think, I, I wonder I know. if she said to the... Yeah, I wonder if she said to all the, the – remember because there's a uh, rebel general who's very, very skeptical of Han Solo, right. and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. But I wonder if she knew all along, but the only way that she knew they could use the Falcon was to get Han Solo, which is who she really wanted in the first place. Right. Not for not for romantic uh, – not, not anything like that because I don't think this is quite happening yet.
1: No, I don't think she has romantic feelings for him yet. I think he does for her. No.
0: yes, unless she's got him hidden very well, but yeah, right. I agree.
1: I think she's because at this point you still got the
0: awkward kiss in episode five with Blake and Luke.
1: <laughs> You've still got the the potential that she's at this point still got the choice that's because true. she doesn't know that Luke is her brother. So that's not necessarily taking him off the table. And and there's some things going on in the Marvel comics that, that indicate that she's kind of playing both ends of the stick. There, going which which gentleman would I more rather? interested in you know Luke's got the more promising career but Hans the more,
0: more scruffy looking nerf her yeah
1: it, you know Hans the scruffy looking nerf herder, but he offers a lot more adventure and excitement you know Luke's kind of the safe choice Hans the the more wild dangerous bad boy for lack of a yeah name. I was gonna say
0: she chose the bad boy
1: <laughs> yeah uh so <laughs> it, it's interesting that we're still seeing that even here she's she's playing I think I, I honestly think she knew that he would blow up and, and, and basically do exactly what he does in the next frame, which is hop in the ship and fly straight to her and go, What the heck do you think you're doing? Right. <laughs> How to even consider this and to, to be so bold without even asking my opinion. So I, I think uh, that's great. There is this little <coughs> deliberation about where they're talking about loyalty, which I thought was an interesting pairing. You know, we're loyal to the Alliance. What are you? You're loyal to yourself and he goes into the whole spiel about saving you know risking his neck to to help blow up the death star when he didn't have to.
0: Oh yeah, the whole reason she wants Han solo at this point is is because apparently there's some informants all around different I guess planets that the empire is I guess over at this point. Right. And apparently one of the informants has notified Leia that there might possibly be a mole. Right. Somebody working for the empire. Exactly. And, and, and she wants she wants Han Solo, or at least the ship, or somebody to use the ship to do the – was it the dragon run?
1: Yeah, so what what's happening is, uh, like we said, Han goes over and, and, and kind of blows up and yells at Leia, and he's like, we're going to have this conversation right here, right now. Why do you want my ship? And she says, no, we need to do this more privately. And that's when we get introduced to Arian Kraken, who is the, a general. He's the, He's the head of the intelligence, and the two of them basically unveil that they've got – Secret agents that are siphoning information from the Empire on various planets, and they're getting, you know, deep intelligence secrets that's helping the Rebel Alliance stay alive. But the problem is that they are anticipating that one of them or someone related to the Alliance is a mole, and they don't know who it is. So they're wanting to hire Han, and this is kind of where you see her having played Han, because they couldn't use a Rebel operative in the mission. They didn't want somebody directly associated with the Rebel Alliance because then word would get out that that person was involved, and then the mole would know about it, and that would ruin the whole point. They wanted somebody who would theoretically already be involved in something like this anyway and then just kind of take that on. Yeah, exactly. So what they want him to do is join this race, which is a race that he's already familiar with. It's an extremely dangerous race, and it's called the Dragon Void Run. And it's this whole experience where he would be racing two, three different planets, and they would set it up with the operatives to be meeting him on those planets and picked up by him so that they could be transported back safely.
0: And, you know, of course, he's very reluctant. He says, "Uh, sorry, no one's going unless I'm going with my ship. And, right. and eventually, despite uh, what's his name again, the uh, general? Uh, it's it's
1: Arian Kraken. Is it Arian? Yeah, a- Kraken. Ar- Aaron. Iron? Iron Kraken? Sure, Iron.
0: A I R E N is yeah. how it's first name, but the last name is
1: Kraken. It's General Kraken.
0: Kraken. Yeah, uh, you know, in spite of his protests, you know, Leia uh, eventually convinces him to be okay with it. And eventually Han yeah. does decide to do it. And she gives him a pretty good, was that a left hook right there?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna go back a page before you say that. So there's this whole little sure. spiel where they're arguing back and forth and belittling each other. And there's these moments where they're discussing and they're, you know, Han's like, you hurt my feelings and things like that, that. You would dare threaten to take my ship without me in it. Um, and Leia does this whole thing. Well, there's more at stake than your feelings. And then there's this one panel that's, that's no text. And you can see that his feelings are actually hurt. You know, the artist did a great job of just kind of doing it. Yeah. Page uh, seven, and I just I love the way they did the facial expressions. And right after that, they introduce Kraken, and he kind of has his his whole little discussion with him. And you're right. And then after that, you go back and on the next page, he's agreed (coughs) to do this. Kraken has been like, okay, I'll let you do it. Whatever, go go do it. And Han and Leia have this scene where they're like, all right, so I've agreed to go do this mission for you, but it's gonna look really conspicuous that I came in really ticked off and then I'm just going to leave calmly. Right. We need to, you know, there's got to be some way we're going to make this work. And he leans in for a kiss, which is kind of (laughs) funny because they haven't really indicated anywhere before this that there's any romantic relationship between the two of them. But you're right. She just she clocks him in the jaw. I mean, it's. It's, I don't know where she got that punch from but it's awesome yeah, it hard um, to get, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can see like spit flying out of his mouth it's just it's a beautiful hit and you go to the next frame or next panel it's pain on his face and then you even have that same the pointing the finger up really ticked off impression it's just like ah oh, you, they've kept oh, yeah. the real essence of Han solo being fake mad at, at Leia or, or really mad at Leia I guess either way and he climbs back on the Millennium Falcon because he's about to leave, and Chewie's like, what happened? Because <laughs> Well, I'm yeah, even before he
0: leaves, though, one interesting panel, though, is – okay, so Han, he storms out, of course, uh, understandably so. He's just been punched in the face, but she looks very regretful as she's rubbing her hand.
1: Oh, I'm she's glad you Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, I mean she she sees him walk off, and she's like – I'm sorry, Han, but of course she doesn't say that.
1: Um, no, she doesn't. But, you, I mean, it, it, again, it shows that she's hurt. That's the other panel I was going to mention, and I'm glad you did too, where, again, there's just no text. So you get the opportunity to kind of study their faces, and he looks sad and, and forlorn, and she looks truly remorseful. Like, I really wish I hadn't needed to do that, especially and, – and there's, I guess, a little bit of foreshadowing in that look, and that might be because we know a little bit more of what's coming up later. But she kind of knows what he's getting into.
0: True, true. And he's kind of clueless. I mean, he, he's familiar that it's a race. Right. But he doesn't realize how serious this race is. He doesn't realize how serious it is.
1: And I think she does. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you were thinking about it from that perspective, you'd really hate for that to be the way you parted. Um, True. You know, to to have had that. But oh, it, it's a great scene. And then, of course, yeah, the, that particular page ends with the Millennium Falcon flying away from the, the Rebel fleet. And, and then you kind of get this. Next stage in the story.
0: Now, I don't remember the name of it. So, okay, it's Dragon Void. Yes. So that's the name of the race. But what planet are they on? Does it ever say?
1: Um, I'm not sure if it's a planet. I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah, it looks like a space station. It looks like it's just a space station. I don't think it's an actual planet. So perhaps it's like the Dragon Void station. They don't make any indication as to
0: where it is. Yeah, well, regardless, it is a beautiful looking space station. I'm very detailed. The artist here done an amazing job. With Marjorie, Marjorie Lou, she did a fantastic job. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that was the writer. artist is Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. he's the one who did an amazing job on the art. So, anyways, Chewie and Han, they walk. I guess they're in the space station now. And one thing I love about Han, he's confident. He's always had the confidence, and he says, "Look at them all, Chewie." The best boss in the galaxy, or at least that's what they tell themselves. And he's walking around uh, this huge group of people here gathering around for the big race, around all these snooty racers that think they're really, really hot stuff. And, of course, for some reason, even with all these alien races, Han and, and Chewie, they kind of, for some reason, they still stand out like sore thumbs to me. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they're out of their element a little bit. Right. Yeah, so you, you see all these, I guess, important racers you know they've got their own entourage and everything and uh, han he's still talking to chewie about how great he is and how he's going to win this thing he says right. none of these pilots look like they've ever had an engine grease on their hands why would i be intimidated i'm the best pilot here and we've got the fastest ship yeah i know that was an awesome comment
1: not even any grease on them and i think that's why they stick out it's because they're uh, everybody else is, like, so fancily dressed at this party, and he's just walking in in his mm-hmm. na- navy blue mm-hmm. pants, jacket, and white shirt, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Business casual.
0: Yeah, he's a ham and egg. So, you know, he's talking to – and I always – they're, they're tweelix, right? Yes, the, those are uh, that, Yeah, I always called them squid heads because I couldn't remember their names.
1: <laughs> that, that's <a> good, <laughs> well, the downside <laughs> of the squid heads is you're you're getting more towards the, the Quarine or the uh, uh, Admiral Ackbar oh, race, true. which is – oh, Lord, I just left me. Calamari. Calamari. So yeah, but they're they're tweelix. You're right. It's
0: delicious. And they're sisters, yeah, I think, right.
1: or I think there's
0: uh, apparently so. And they're both jerks. Yeah, I know they're they're,
1: they're kind of rude, aren't they?
0: Yeah, she goes, oh well, that's an arrogant claim to make uh, in this crowd, especially for for a human we don't recognize. And I, uh, this is this is great. She goes, so what races have you won? Who's your sponsor? And Han, he just kind of looks at her like, are you talking to me? He goes, I paid for this on my own, and I don't do races. I do runs, life or death. Straight down the line, lady. I made the Kessel run at less than twelve parsecs. Now, oh, there's less than again. Yeah, no. so so you bring your races and your sponsors, and I'll bring my runs, and we'll see who wins. And then they they both kind of just crack up.
1: Oh, I get it now. You're, I understand. You're a smuggler, like it's like, So even in a crowd of you know illegal racers, he's still just a smuggler.
0: Beneath them, yeah.
1: Beneath them, yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting placement because he got that same reception from Kraken mm-hmm. earlier in the issue. So I mean, no matter where he goes, he just gets land blasted as you're you're less than you're nothing.
0: Oh yeah, and that doesn't and that doesn't rattle him at all. You no, know, it he, does. he's still pretty confident. And then uh, of course this blue guy here, not related to Thrawn in any way that I know of. Uh, no, but you're right.
1: I'm trying to looking <laughs> up his name real fast. Are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about the with the guy with the tattoos on his face and the goatee. I don't remember his name. I'm not even sure if it gives us his name.
0: Oh, yet. I don't think it does. Yeah, it does at least do. not yet. But definitely, he, yeah. He talks about That it it looks like Vincent Price
1: if he was blue. Right, yeah. Uh, he kind of goes through this whole little speech of, you know... We racers have sponsors, and we have teams that help us build our ships and the most advanced technology. Like, what do you have? You have a Wookiee, you know, like he couldn't rip his arms off in one beat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and I love this new character that comes up. She uh, actually kind of stands up for Han a little bit. Uh, She's one of the oldest racers in the galaxy and one of the best racers in the galaxy, if not the best.
1: And I have her name here. It's Lou Rihanna.
0: Yeah, Lou Lana. Is it? Lou, it's Lou Riano, I think. A N N O. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and she says, you know what? He's got the loyalty of his crew, and among that people, that has proven to be enough. And she stands up for him. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate. And that. Hans actually seen her before. He like he he's he knows of her reputation. Yeah,
1: he knows. From what I remember. Yeah, he knows her name. He's like, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's Lou Riano. And she's like, she's still alive. You know, she's a legend. Yeah. What? Yeah. And they're like, not only that, but she's the greatest racer in the galaxy, though. And they kind of give this whole little thing, we think this is going to be the last race for her, you know.
0: Which is interesting. I wonder if that's a little bit of foreshadowing, too. Like, they, they want to make sure it's the last Yeah, race. No,
1: I, I kind of got that impression, too. I'm sitting there thinking, it sounds like they're going to try to kill her in the first chance they hit. Yeah, I know. I mean, look at the guy. He just looks shady. Yeah, no, I know. He does. He really does. It makes you go, I just want to punch him. <laughs> where's <laughs> leia the way she did a great job punching han she really right
0: this exactly guy. <laughs> i know i know so uh yeah so eventually they get to the racer they're about to start and i love this party it's like Chewie and and han they're they're in the falcon and uh, of course we don't know exactly what Chewie says but han's like i'm not nervous why would you ask how i'm nervous we've got this
1: yeah so he had had this conversation with leia earlier and she's like you know, we don't really care if you win. We just want you to complete the mission. And he's like, well, I don't care. I'm going to do both. He has that kind of arrogant yeah, yeah. confidence about him. And, of course, they jump into hyperspace. And I love the the whole Wahoo facial expression there where it kind of that one page. It's almost a full page, oh, yeah. page where it shows them in hyperspace. And he's he's just in the thrill of the race. It's like, yeah. And then, you know, he has this comment. See, Chewie, this is going to be easy. Now, get ready to come out of hyperspace. We don't know what's going to be waiting for. And then you can see it on his face. This is just panic. And you it, you see the orange glow, so you anticipate some form of explosion or something like that. And it's, he says, us. And then in the very next panel, that's exactly what it is. It's an explosion. Chewie, quick, put power in the forward shields. We're running into problems right away. This is not supposed to be happening. The ships, they're being attacked. And that, mm-hmm. you know... And he's like, the ships that are being attacked are all part of the race. He's flabbergasted. He's un- He can't believe that they're facing danger like that straight out of the gate. And it kind of leaves the whole impression of, you know, he could die right away. Oh, yeah. Because other people are getting shot down right off the bat. And th- that with You know, and, and this is a lot about Leia, too. Yeah, it does. She has a lot of guts yeah. sending him, and it's almost heartless for her. You spend. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You spend your whole time. Thinking she's this sweet character, this damsel in distress who really loves the the Rebel Alliance, but more she loves the people in it. And here is a prime example of how she's kind of putting the people out of perspective and focusing more on the mission.
0: I gotta, I'm just gonna step on a limb. I don't like Leia in this issue. I'm just gonna say it because, you know, she's kind of playing on a little bit. Yeah. She she really is. I, I think she's a very very smart. I think she knew all along that Han Solo would come along. So she plays General Kraken because I, I think she knew no matter what she's going to talk him to Han coming along. She's going to talk Han into coming along. Right. She even kind of looks like she's about to kiss him and then gives him the right hook. Yeah, exactly. And then the most important thing, yeah, is, is the very end. She knew all along what was going to happen or what could happen, and she sent him anyway. Exactly. She willingly. I know it's
1: for the greater good, but still. It's I mean, you know, it's it. This is Star Wars, not Star Trek. You can't have, you know, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And, <laughs> and, but it really kind of gives us that impression. You're getting almost like a Spock logical view of this, not taking into account Damn. any emotion. And if we go back to that panel where we looked at her facial expression after punching him, you kind of see the remorse there. But she doesn't do anything about it. True. Yeah, she still sends him home. She has that facial expression of remorse, but there's no apology, there's no indication whatsoever that she was ever going to to try to reconcile this.
0: And and let's face it, if she had told Han that there'd be violence, Han would never want have
1: win. That's true. He would have he probably would not have risked his neck. So she knew that if she didn't play him the way that she did, they wouldn't have a solution for this this problem with the alliance. And it's just it's amazing how heartless she appears in this in this in this issue.
0: Yeah. Not big not big on her yet. No, she's not big not, on her yet. She's not a,
1: a favorite character in this particular one. I no. really like how they portrayed Han though. I think they nailed him yeah, from yeah, the get go. Me too. I think they did a great job. And I think they did a good job with Chewie, but you know, the focus of this issue is Han solo and his interaction with other characters. And I think you see a lot more of that in this issue than you do even in the ha- regular Star Wars run. Oh, yeah. Which there's... Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I, I definitely agree. I mean, I love how Han is still cocky, yeah. you know, still confident in himself. But you also, you can see he's got a heart, you know, and you see that from the very first few panels where he's got that internal monologue where he's going, what's wrong with me? Why why did I go back? Why did I do this stuff? You know, and, and he's starting to see that his reputation is starting to wane a little bit. Right. Uh, being a smuggler, so now he's kind of at a crossroads. He's like, okay, I stepped out on a limb to help these rebels for financial gain mainly, but now I'm in this thing and I'm trying not to be. But now the smuggling thing's not really working out for me because I'm getting cold feet. Right. You know, so you, you kind of see inside Han's mind and just one issue, and I, I think it's great. I think it's yeah. exactly how I, I would, you know, see a Harrison Ford. Yes. Play Han. <laughs> exactly.
1: I think I think they really got the character in this, and I, and I agree completely. I think that they did a really good job of kind of getting inside his head. And I and, know and I'm going to reference this a lot, especially since we're, we're doing the Han Solo run first. But when I think of Han Solo, I think of obviously the original trilogy, but the A.C. Crispin Han Solo as well. And I really yeah. think that this comic kind of digs straight into that, too. I think they do a really good job of showing that, you know, he has that. Gruff facade of this bravado and, you know, I'm the best at everything. But on the flip side of that, you've got Chewie there who's kind of calling him out on him and saying, you know, you're really nervous here. And earlier he even said how Chewy was like, you usually don't pass up on opportunities like this. Why are you doing it? I think you have cold feet. You kind of get that little that relationship between the two of them. And it, it, it even accentuates how you see the human side of Han Solo that a lot of times he doesn't want you to see. Yeah, true. The way they wrote the comic, the way they portrayed him, it's there. It's it's clear. It's easy to see even though he's trying everything in his power with what he says and how he carries himself to hide it. Right, right. Or how many TIE fighters would you give this uh, this issue there, Rob?
0: Oh, man. I would say… It's a great setup issue, yeah. of course, you know, so I can't give it a 10 because, you know, usually with setup issues, they're building up to the great payoff. So, right. but I think it sets up everything as well as it can. I really, really like the dynamic between Lei and Han. Love the artwork. Love the storytelling. I'm going to say I'm going to give it a nine, which is was pretty daggone high. I mean, yeah, but it, it's really good. So what about you? OK,
1: well, you oh,
0: man, I didn't feel bad.
1: Um, I had eight pegged in my mind. Oh, okay. and, and the reason, and it's not certainly not trying to sell it short or anything like that. I think it's a fantastic issue. Oh, eight's a good story. I, I think it's a great story. I just feel like there's the the reason I give it the eight is just like you said. There's it's a great start startup issue, so it's it's foolish to give it a ten because you know there's going to be better later. But it's that also it leaves too many questions that I don't think they're going to answer in this run.
0: Are you uh, talking with, about with Chewbacca?
1: With Chewbacca and you know, Aaron Kraken just suddenly makes an appearance. Uh, I'm familiar with his character because he is in the expanded universe, both old and new, I guess. Now, but if I had been reading this comic just because I'm a fan of Star Wars, there's no history. They introduce him as the head of the the intelligence uh, for the Rebel Alliance, but I mean, I didn't even know there was an intelligence of the Rebel Alliance. I mean, I, there, there's there's a lot of just. And I know that's I thought I mean, they're all idiots. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I know that's part of how do you do it. And I understand that. And I know you can't tell every story that exists. But I, I guess, you know, there's just I love having those questions. It's one of the things I love about comics. And it's one of the things I love about books, where you get those kind of allusions to other stories that could exist, and they might never come to fruition. But at the same time, it makes me take it away
0: just a little bit, you know. Well, yeah. Well, we know it's a limited run too. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these questions they don't have time to exactly. answer, you know. So you know they're not probably going to be. exactly. If so. it had been a,
1: if it, if this had been an extended run like the Darth Vader series or the the Marvel series yeah. or the Podameron series, or I, I didn't mention this in the Rebel News, but they're actually doing a Doctor Afara extended run soon. Ah. Oh. Um, the the girl from the Darth Vader series. So I'm looking forward to that, but anyway, I don't know if I'll dig into it like I did with the others because I, you know, my wallet's <laughs> not nearly that big. But uh, uh, I hear you. But uh, you know, those are all extended runs. They're designed to to take those rabbit trails and maybe bring them back at some point and be like, oh, this is that story that you missed. Right. But I, it's not going to happen. And I really feel that if you're going to have a a mini series or a, or a small run like this of four or five issues. You really need to kind of answer all those questions. I agree. Just because you don't know whether or not you're going to be able to ever answer them. And maybe they do. Um, like I said, I haven't read all the Chewbacca series. Those characters might be from the Chewbacca run because it was released earlier. So it might already be answered. And if that's the case, then, you know, I'll probably be able to go back and say I'd give it a nine because of those answers, those questions were answered. But just because that one panel is just like, you know, I really mm-hmm. wonder where that came from. I have to dock it. Um, it was a fantastic read
0: and I absolutely love it. so I'd give it eight out of ten top
1: fighters. Awesome. awesome,
0: very nice, very nice. So that's an eight point five rounded. so not bad. that's not bad for a first run yeah. Exactly. Well all right man. well hey we did it. We did it. I had a lot of fun yeah and we so, how, had... so how are we gonna end these how are we gonna end these uh, these episodes? All right, so
1: I, I guess we'll do cheers with the blue milk that that sounds fair. Uh, so here's to hoping everybody enjoys their glass of blue milk from Aunt Beru. <laughs> may it ever be warm.
0: And blue. And blue.
1: Definitely blue.
0: Got to be, blue. It's gotta be high, blue. High in calcium.
1: Here's to uh, your glass of blue milk. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a great night.
0: Yes. Cheers, and may the Force be with you. And the Force will be with you, always. Ah. <laughs> but you know what we do? We just put this in the blueberry reel. Oh. Sure. <laughs> if you want um, to do something
1: like that. Oh, oh, my. I can't believe you would do such a terrible
0: thing. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good.
1: Uh, I'll um, tell you. Mm-hmm, if I had the chance. Mm-hmm, I'll tell you what. Every time I'll do it, I, I told my students the other day, I said, you know, if I could go back and do it again, I'm not sure I'd be a band director. And they're like, why? I said, I think I'd be a voice actor.
0: Oh, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love, love to do that. Me too. Good. I thought I would be use those yeah. oh, awesome. Awesome. Kind
1: of high in calcium and you know I'd, I would hate to find out how it goes to, to milk those bambas but um, <laughs> anyway so